Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Roy Green isn't afraid to poke the bear. The bigger the bear, the bigger the poke. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And I'm on Twitter, at The Roy Green Show. I just got a tweet here from, uh, let's take a look at this real quick here. Get this other screen to get out of the way. Uh, from uh, Principled 11, uh, ABC has Trump leading, oh no, see, Rasmussen has Trump leading by 2%. ABC News has Clinton up by 12 Why do you keep using Rasmussen? Well, because Fran Coombs has been very good to us with his time, because Rasmussen has a very good record, and we have also used John Zogby from Zogby Analytics on this program. So what about that? Hey, Fran Coombs, managing editor of uh, Rasmussen Polling, Rasmussen.com, RasmussenReports.com. What about that, Fran? Thanks for joining us on a Sunday. Uh, You have... Trump up by one percentage point, according to the polling I saw this morning. Then you have uh, other polls with Clinton leading by 12. What's the uh, what's the story there then between the, the the variations in the numbers? Honestly, as you and I have talked about this before, Roy, I mean, a lot of it is, are people doing likely voters, how big are their sample sizes, all those kinds of things. I mean, believe me, we've been over our demographics a million times talking about this. You know, we're as curious as the, as the next person. Um, we had actually on Friday, we had 4341. We'll be posting new numbers tomorrow at 830, uh, based on, it's a rolling 1500 likely voters who pick up 500 new ones every night. So basically every survey we post is based on three, three nights running. So we'll get another 500 likely voters tonight and we'll post new numbers at 830. So we'll see where the race stands. I mean, obviously the Democrats are saying it's all over. Uh, Jim Carville was on, um, on CNN, I believe it was last night, saying he's very happy now that Trump is dead. Uh, that was his exact quote. Um, so the Democrats are already celebrating the election. Uh, I, obviously, they look at ABC's polling a lot, a lot I would guess, but uh, we think it's, the race is a lot closer than that. So I just spoke with a 19-year-old who was voting for the very first time, and her mother was on the air as well. And I asked her whether it's personality or issues that she's going to be focusing on or which she is focusing on. And for her, it is the issues. It is not the personalities. She did say that many of her, her contemporaries uh, would be looking probably for opinions on social media and be guided at least somewhat by that. But for her, it's issues. What percentage of the American population do you think is able, and this is probably a wild guess question, but what percentage of the population would be able to remove the personalities from the equation because the personalities have really big, they're, they're, they're what's dominating the, the, uh, the, the debate. Right. Well, it's, again, it's to the Democrats' advantage to keep the race on the personalities. That's why we see this uh, you know, these orchestrated stories about uh, Clinton, uh, Trump allegedly harassing these women and all these things. Obviously, this is being done very systematically in coordination with the campaign. And they want to keep the discussion on that because that, that, that triggers an emotional response. Obviously, they're really trying to get that reaction from uh, younger women voters. Uh, policies, 
I mean, if you're Hillary Clinton, do you really want to be debating that the economy is growing at 1% growth and you're essentially going to continue those same policies? Probably not. Trump talks about uh, the Middle East being a mess. Hillary Clinton was a key architect for all that. Do you really want to be talking about that, or would you rather be talking about Trump's character? Um, and that's what they're keeping the debate on. Uh, the issues, uh, if you're a Democrat, you don't want the, if you're the Democratic candidate, you don't want the race on the issues. Uh, if you're the Republican candidate, you do want the race on the issues, but he's having a very tough time keeping it on the issues because of all this other stuff. Yeah, but, you know, we've been through the, the Cosby situation, and it's not something that I'm, uh, as, as an observer, and if I were a voter, I wouldn't be uh, at all willing to discount these women who are coming forward and saying that they were sexually uh, abused by Donald Trump. That would enter into my into my uh, sort of review of the of the election, and I'm probably influenced to a certain extent how I would vote, Fran. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I think, again... These things are coming out. Trump is responding and saying, uh, you know, that they're not true, which obviously is what you expect him to say. Right. Uh, some of the stories I know have been debunked. Uh, but also, the, you know, the Clintons are very, they're very tough campaigners. Don't kid yourself. I mean, Sidney Blumenthal's got a reputation in this town and has for 20 years of uh, doing exactly this kind of stuff all the time. Uh, I'm certainly not trying to, going to try to pretend for a second that uh, Trump is a, is a saint. Uh, but... I, you know, I just, given the whole tenor of this campaign, I don't know. I think a lot of voters are wrestling with that. I mean, you have to say, with all this stuff coming out, that Trump's, it, Trump is becoming increasingly a long shot. There's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Bill Clinton was reelected for two terms. He well, it's one of those. It's a reputation in this. I was just telling the studio producer, it's one of those situations where, Immediately, as soon as I start to feel it's it's in the bag for Clinton, like after the uh, the uh, charity dinner in New York, where Trump was heckled, the, the the visceral response was, "Well, it's over now." And then something happens the next day where you say to yourself, "Well, maybe it's not over now." But I looked at your uh, the poll information that I received today from Rasmussen, and it was 88% of voters have decided how they're going to vote. 88% right. have made their decision. Now, when you hear that from those voters on that rolling 1500 basis, um, how how um, sure can we be? that these voters have, in fact, that it may know that 88% of the population or the voting population has decided. Is that a hard number? No. I, you know, I, mean, I think you have to be realistic, realistic about all these polls, and that's why the whole, the whole poll thing is up in the air this year. I mean, the, the polls were, were dead wrong in a lot of the primaries. Um, I mean, this is an election like we haven't seen here. Uh, and, you know, and I'm not sure that anybody's quite seen an election like this. Uh, based historically on trends and things, things like that, you have to think that Clinton has the advantage. But this is not like any election we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of voters I know are hard and fast for Clinton or are hard and fast for Trump. But there are certainly things that could happen that I think could get anybody to shift their vote. Well, what sorts of things might, uh, might happen in the next, it's really a matter of days now, Right. Um, well, that would, that would, because they're not going to have any form, more face-to-face -face situations, at least nothing that's, that's prepared right, or programmed. And that's, and that's where, you know, tr I mean, so, and Trump, of course, is, is, is on the defensive, which is always the worst place to be politically. I mean, when he's, on the, when he's on the, in the hustings, he's not talking about these allegations very much, but anytime he runs into any reporters, that's all he's going to be asked about. 
Um, so, I mean, what was this race all about? Two candidates with very high, uh, high unfavorables and a very large segment of undecided voters. What's going to sway undecided voters? I, I would say right now the, the women allegation has to be uh, out there more than anything else. Um, people, I'm sure, you know, these undecided voters looking at both these folks, I don't know that policy is going to sway them at this point. When you're getting down to this narrow a number of voters, um, emotion, social media, the OMG comment from their friends, did you see what Trump said to that girl, you know, that kind of thing. Um, is that going to sway the election? Historically, I would say yes, but this election so crazy, who knows? Yeah, I'm going to be speaking with Gloria Allred later on in the program. She'll join us from uh, Los Angeles, and she's introduced right. three three women over the last week who say that, uh, including an adult movie star, and you know, is a porn star. Let's call her. I don't know why they say adult. Anyhow, um, but but she says that she was offered ten thousand dollars by Trump to stay the night, and that he was going to offer her the her his jet to fly to where she was going, and uh, and she refused. And Trump says, "Well, I'm going to sue her and sue her and sue her and sue her. I'll sue them all, whether I win or lose." Doesn't seem to me to be a really smart approach. If if you're Donald Trump, um, you know to say yeah, hey, win or lose, I'm going to sue them. Yeah, I I don't know, Roy. It, uh, face it, these kind of allegations are increasingly common in the modern world, and they, it's the, it's the old line we used to say, like you're asked, when did you stop beating your wife? There's no you know there's no answer for that question. No matter how you answer that question, you look guilty. Uh, these people are out there. Uh, Gloria Allred is, you know, a die-hard left-wing Democrat. Uh, well, she was a delegate. She was a delegate for right. Hillary Clinton she, at the she, convention, and she certainly is, is not a person with a stellar reputation of her own. I mean, she's obviously, you know, a hatchet woman. And so, I'm talking about my guest that way. Oh, sorry about that. I did, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. I mean, yes. I am talking about your guest that way. Um, I mean, she takes on those kinds of causes to get her name in the headlines. Um, she's a hardline Democrat. As you said, she's a delegate. Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, a lot of these things appear to be, uh, awfully well coordinated for things that are coincidences. Uh, but you know, that's politics too. So uh, Trump, they've, they've very successfully gotten Trump on the defensive, which again is good for their side because you don't want to be arguing hey, let's keep going with Barack Obama's foreign policy when the Middle East is a mess and there's increasing terrorist attacks at home. You don't want to be talking about 1% economic growth. Those are not winning issues. I mean, if you look at the issues, Trump's got the winning issues. People want to stop illegal immigration. People want to renegotiate these free trade deals. Uh, On all those issues, basically, voters want lower taxes. Voters want smaller government. On all those things, voters tend to agree with Trump. Yeah. Uh, let me take a break, friend, and then when we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how it goes. I mean, what's the process? Uh, we hear about the Electoral College. We hear about battleground states. Um, and and just t- talk to our friend Coombs about what's going to happen on the night of uh, November the 8th, how it, all, how it all works out and how the goulash all comes together on, uh, on election night in the United States. By the way, do you know what happened? Well, do you know what the headline was? 
on the day that Donald Trump declared himself a candidate for president of the United States? Do you know what? I, I looked for headlines, like news headlines, on that date, and it was June the 15th, 2015, that he announced. So, because I couldn't remember, I didn't have a clue what would have been the headline on June the 15th. And I found a major headline. I'll share that with you when we come back. Stay with us. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Much reaction to um, Saskatchewan Premier Brad Wall's appearance on this program yesterday. And uh, I'm going to play back for you about six minutes of the interview with Premier Wall in the, the top of the next hour. And then I have a question for you because it's disturbing me that a couple of things are disturbing me. Number one is that um, Mr. Trudeau is suggesting his carbon tax without any real idea. And, and Premier Wall talked about this, any real sense of what what it's going to do to us or bring to us. He's talking about creating hundreds of thousands of exciting new clean energy jobs. Well, that's what Ontario said before they got into their electricity program with uh, Premier Wynn and Premier McGuinty before that. And what have we seen? Where are those jobs? Show me. Show me a thousand jobs. Premier, I'm right at the other end of AAA 2258255. Show me a thousand jobs. Go ahead. And then we'll talk about the electricity rate hikes 80% increase between 2004 and 2014 in uh, take the two largest cities in the province of Ontario, Toronto and, uh, and Ottawa, an 80%, 80% increase. This does not bode well for people on fixed income, and I know they're trying so hard to mitigate against this because the election's coming up in 18. And then there's the federal election in 19, but you'll hear Premier Brad Wall. I wish he was the prime minister of this country. I really do. So do other people. Got a tweet here uh, from uh, Drill Tech MWD. Uh, premier Brad Wall, embarrassing that a premier has to do the prime minister's job of scrutinizing the facts and thinking. Yeah. Fran Coombs, managing editor of RasmussenReports.com, is with me. Uh, Fran, uh, what happens on. Because in Canada, we have first by the post voting, you know how that goes. But in the United States, it's different. We hear about battleground states. We hear about uh, the uh, the Electoral College. How do you determine on election night in the U.S. who wins the whole thing? Well, basically, as you well know, Roy, and I'm sure many of your listeners know, most of the states in the country are predictably, excuse me, Republican or Democrat. So the the presidential race really gets put out over maybe six, eight. Excuse me, six, eight, ten states. Election night. Basically, if Donald Trump loses North Carolina and Florida, or North Carolina or Florida, it's going to be a very long night for the Republicans. But there's some obviously there's some weird things going on. There's a third party candidate in Utah who's running very strongly. Now Utah is probably the most predictably Republican state in the country, yet its six electoral votes could literally go to a third party candidate who claims he's the most conservative guy in the race. That would definitely hurt Trump. If Trump's going to have any kind of chance at all, he doesn't have much margin of error. Um, so early on, I, th- I think we're going to know very early on whether this is any kind of race at all, uh, depending on how North Carolina or Florida go, unless 
the truly bizarre happens and predictably Democratic states go Republican or something like that because Trump is able to attract a crossover vote. Uh, but anyway, so a candidate has to get 270 votes. Clinton, if, if you believe some of the polls and what the Democrats are saying, she could well have most of those numbers before we even get to the West Coast. Um, I, if, if there's no chance, obviously, this, that one of the candidates is going to get less than 270, I would think, uh, which would throw it into the House of Representatives, but that hasn't happened in, in ages. Um, so I think we're going to know early. We're going to know uh, whether Trump has any kind of chance at all. If not, it's going to be a very long evening for the GOP. So, but how does the uh, Electoral College vote? Is it, do, do, does each state have a, a, a number of votes uh, for the Electoral College? Is that how it works? Yeah, in, es- in essence, people, in essence, you elect electors, if you will, okay. for the candidates. And then the, then the Electoral College meets within a few days after the election, and they actually formally vote. But the, the Electoral College has never, ever upended who people predict thought was going to win election night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, except going back, maybe I guess the one, the, there's the John Quincy Adams, Henry Clay, the Andrew Jackson election, maybe about 26 or something or something. There was some hanky-panky going on. But generally, the person who wins on election night, the Electoral College, in essence, rubber stamps that. Why has the WikiLeaks not had a huge impact in the United States is because it's not getting a tremendous amount of media coverage. What's the story right. there? Uh, yeah, I'd say that. I mean, I mean, face it, um, sex sells for one thing. And, uh, I mean, one of the things that's come out in the WikiLeaks thing is how the political editor of Politico, Maggie Halberman, Halberman, I believe her name is of the New York times and people like that were, um, letting their stories be screened by the Clinton campaign before they want, went, uh, before they were published, uh, that Donna Brazil at CNN leaked the question to uh, a debate question to Hillary Clinton. All kinds of very shaky behavior on the path, on the uh, part of the media has come out in this WikiLeaks stuff. Uh, the media has made most of the major media has made no bones about being in support of Clinton and believing that Trump is not qualified to be president. Um, and so I think they're they're hiding behind this thing that the administration claims the Russians did it, although they haven't offered any proof. Uh, but, you know, so the major media is steering clear of the WikiLeaks under the guise of we're not going to let the Russians uh, game our election. But, I mean, the bottom line is, Roy, look, if WikiLeaks was leaking high-level Republican Party memos about Donald Trump, do you think the New York Times would be publishing them? No. You don't. Well, no, I mean, yes, of course they would. <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking yeah. about something. I was thinking about the, the reverse. Of course they would. Yeah, uh, and, and I was looking at the clock. So I was looking at the clock, too, because because we're out of time. But, uh, Fran, this is uh, – I, I, I would not discount any possibility or anything potentially happening in this election before November the 8th. But we'll we'll be talking again before then, and thank you again for all the time you give us. Really appreciate it. Okay, that. my pleasure, Roy. Take care. All the best, Fran Coombs from RasmussenReports.com, and you can subscribe there, and they'll send you um, on a regular basis. They'll send you their polling information, and they've got all sorts of different polls going on that have to do with the election on November the eighth. Come back and tell you about the next hour, which is all Canadians. Stay with us.